today, we're in Matthew. We are in chapter 13. You guys, how many people here didn't think we were ever going to get out of chapter 12? (laughs) Come on, y'all. Well, guess what? We're going to be in 13 for probably a month. We'll see. At least three weeks, I think. But anyway, let's pray and we will get started. God, I thank you for your word, Lord. And I'm so thankful, God, that we have the opportunity to dig into it, God. Lord, that you didn't hide it from us. Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful that you quicken our hearts, that you open our eyes to see clearly what you want us to see, God. And Lord, you also are so faithful, Lord. You know each and every heart that's here. God, you know those people, Lord God, that have walked in just beat down from this week. Lord, that are tired. God, that their minds are everywhere else, Lord, maybe on, you know, what's to eat after, Lord God, or what things they have to do after. But Lord, I pray right now, would you center us, God? Lord, would you settle our hearts on you? Father, would you open our eyes and our ears, Lord, to the things that you want to speak into us, God? And Father, most of all, would you get me out of the way, God? We want to hear from you, Lord. God, you are so good and you are so worthy and we praise your name. And so, Lord, have your way as we dig in, Lord, right now, I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you guys, today we're going to begin looking at six different parables that Jesus spoke. And the way Matthew wrote them, they're just kind of like all in a row. And they're also kind of known, these six parables are known as the kingdom parables. Why? Well, because that's the overarching theme, that Jesus was giving parables to explain, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. We're going to get through the first 23 verses today. So you guys settle in. We got about two hours. No, hopefully not. (laughs) We're going to do it in a little bit of a different format, though, today. What we are going to do is we're going to start in verse 10. And we're going to go through verse 17. And that's going to help us get some understanding about the key elements of a parable and what what the parable really is meant to be and what it's not meant to be. It's going to give us insight into why Jesus actually chose to speak in a parabolic form over other forms of communication, because that's important as well. And then after that, we're going to go back to verse 1, and we're going to actually read through the parable of the sower. And then when we're done there, we're going to skip over to verse 18, where he explains it. Thank the Lord that he explains some of his parables. It makes it super easy for us. Verse 18 through 23. So that's how we're going to do it today. I've given you the roadmap so that no one's like, what is happening right now? Right? Guys okay? Everybody awake? Is everyone ready? Do we need to do calisthenics? No? Okay. You guys, verse 10. Chapter 13, verse 10 says this. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He, answers and he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing They do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull. 
Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus gives us kind of clear insight right here of why he spoke in parables. But before we dig into the why of Jesus speaking in parables, we need to understand the what of what a parable really is, right? We need to understand that. And so I want to kind of take a moment and explain this. The truth is it's a story. A parable is a story that is meant to explain a spiritual or moral truth. Or in the sacred holy language of Christianese, which I cannot stand. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You guys heard that before? Christianese has its value at times, but I don't like to speak it. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. When a parable is told, you guys, there's only typically one overarching theme of the parable, right? All the elements of the story kind of add up to one singular truth. And we need to be careful not to add extraneous or irrelevant meaning to the parables. Because that happens. There are pastors that I've heard that like take this one parable and they're like, well, this verse meant this. And this verse means this. And this verse means this. And by the time you're done, you're like, wow, Jesus was all over the map. And the truth is, Jesus wasn't all over the map. They're all over the map. They're trying to pull way more out of it than then is there. And so when we're reading a parable, we kind of have to look for like, what is the theme here? Which is why we're able to look at these next six that we're going to read and see that the theme is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. That's why they're called the kingdom of parables. Ingenious. You guys, the overarching truth of these six that we're going to read is all about the kingdom. It either looks at different aspects of the kingdom, right? So it looks like today we're going to look at like, what does it look like to get into the kingdom of God? That's the parable of the sower. Or we're going to look at other ones that talk about like, what is the kingdom like? What does it look like? Or how the kingdom will be established here on earth. All of those things we're going to read over the next few weeks. Another thing about parables that sets them apart from other forms of communication is this. They have to be absorbed And understood in your heart and in your spirit. You can't just entirely understand it in your mind with logic. Right? You just can't. It takes more. It takes something more. And that's the thing that Jesus was basically why he chose to use the parabolic form. More often than not was because he's like, look, if you're not willing to dig in deeper than what I'm just speaking here. If you're not willing to try to find the meaning behind it then you're going to miss the entire point. If I tell you guys two plus two equals what, you're going to say what to me? Four. Good job, you guys. Two plus two equals four. You would logically tell me that that makes sense, right? But the reality is a parable requires more than mere logical assent to it. If you talk about the fact that the parable of the sower, when we read it, if you just looked and said, well, yeah, that's true. Yes, it is true. It is true that when you sow onto stony ground that it doesn't get a chance to grow up. It is true that if you sow into thorns, 10 to 1, those plants aren't going to be very healthy. It is true that if you sow onto the ground and the birds come and take it all away, that guess what's not going to grow at all? 
nothing, right? Like it, that, all that's true. But do you really think that Jesus was trying to tell farmers how to farm? No, there's something behind it. You guys, when we're looking at these things, what we're seeing is when we read a parable, we're seeing deep spiritual truth, but we have to be willing to go and dig it out. And how do we do that? Well, obviously not in our own power. We go to God and we're like, oh Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see clearly what you want to speak to me through this. And this is just as applicable today as it was then. So there's a lot for us to gain from this. Why, what's another reason he spoke in parables? Well, because he was fulfilling prophecy. He said himself right here, look, through these people that aren't willing to dig in, think the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people that thought they had it all figured out already, right? They're like, what can Jesus offer? Oh, a ton. You just got to be willing to listen, right? Why am I stopping for a second and pausing? Well, because guys, I think sometimes we can fall into that too, right? We can be a little pharisaical. We can be like, I've read this a hundred times. You can't tell me anything new. You're right. I can't tell you anything new. I mean, shoot, but God can, right? God can. God can speak things into our heart that maybe we needed to hear again, even if we've heard it a hundred times. God can speak something that you have heard a hundred times and make it fresh and new and apply it to a different part of your life that you need today that you didn't need a year ago or six months ago or yesterday. You guys, he fulfilled two different prophecies. We have one in Isaiah 6, which is the one that we read here. And then there's also Psalm 78 two that we're not going to go to. But for you note takers, you can go read these different sections of scripture that we see fulfilled right here. And it's the reason he spoke in parables. So God makes it clear that those that are not willing to press in to find the deeper things that Jesus was speaking, that they would just think it's all nonsense. They'd be like, why is he telling a bunch of agrarian farmers how to farm? What a moron. And that would be where it would end. And this is what happened. We know that, right? We see that in the ministry of Christ. That people were like, man, you said a hard thing. You said that if you're going to follow me, you've got to like drink my blood and eat my body. You weirdo, what is happening? Because they weren't willing to dig past what he was saying and get to the deeper meaning of it. And so they left. You guys, it happens today. It's no different I've talked to plenty of atheists. I've talked to plenty of people that are like, I read the Bible, it didn't tell me anything. And I'm like, yeah, because you're reading it with your eyes closed. You're reading it and you're not trying to gain understanding, you're trying to gain an argument. You're reading it and you're trying to figure out a way to get around what it says in here. Instead of reading it and saying, God, you're bigger than me and I want to know what your thoughts are so that I can apply them to my life. People don't want to engage the truth found in scripture. Why? Well, because it isn't tweetable. It requires more from us than other forms of information. It's not bite-sized. We can't just like go through each verse like we do a Facebook page and just scroll, 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 right? We can't do that. We've got to like stop and take it in and chew on it and say, God, what are you getting at here? What's the context, Lord? How do we, how do we understand what you're saying? It's not mindless television, It doesn't wrap up like a five-minute YouTube video, does it? You guys, can I tell you something? Can I encourage us? If we're willing to dig into the truth of Scripture, I promise you, there is a never-ending well of information. There's a never-ending well of truth that he wants to give to us, that he wants to feed us every day. 
I always ask God in my prayer time in the morning, I'm always like, oh Lord, I just want to sit under the fountain. And there's times when I get done and I'm like, oh God, you gave me the fire hose today, right? You're like, Wah! you're just like pouring it in. And I'm like, whoa, too much, right? I love that. I love it. Do you know why? Because on the days that it feels like a trickle, I'm like, God, this trickle is good. It's good. And so I just want to sit and, and, and get and glean what God has for me. I know that's what we all want. That's the privilege we have. We have his word here. We get to feast and feed on his word. And we get to chew. And when there's those times, you guys, and we all have them, seasons where we would say, oh, man, we feel dry. Listen, I promise you, God's still giving you a little trickle. And that trickle is more than enough. But when you're getting it like a fire hose, man, drink it up right? Sop it up, drink it, because I'm telling you, because we're human, we're not going to have that every day, are we? You guys, we have so much to chew on here, so much to gain, and so let's keep going here. You ready? Verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 13 says this, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell, excuse me, on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up, and because they had no depth of earth, Because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Man, you guys, the parable of the sower is so good. It's so good. What do we see here? We see how people receive the truth of the gospel message. We see how people receive the kingdom of God. That's what we're seeing here. That's what Jesus is trying to get at here. He's saying, look, here's the reality. The reality is, is that the Holy Spirit is on the earth at this point in history. The reality is then is that God himself saw fit to put on human flesh and come here to earth and to tell others about his kingdom. That's what Jesus was doing. And so he's talking about how different people receive this kingdom. And they get broken down into four different categories. We also see, you guys, the reality of something that I want to talk about in this section. And we're going to let the explanation that he gives explain those different four different categories. But right now, what I want to talk about is this. This is the other reality that we see. We see that the sower never stops sowing, does he? The sower never stops sowing. Can I tell you who the sower is? In our context, every Christian, every believer is a sower of the seed. Now, who's ultimately the sower? God is. God's sowing seed. The Holy Spirit's sowing seed. But how? He chooses to use fallible human us. These screwed up skin suits that we call humanity, right? We're all walking around in it and we're like, hey, I barely know what I'm doing. But guess what your job is? Your job is to be scattering seed. That's your job. And he's so gracious and faithful and perfect that he knows just how to use you in your context in a way that he could never use me or anyone else in this room. And that is awesome. It's exciting. 
Do you understand? The truth is, you guys, far too often the church has believed the lie of the enemy that says, you're not good enough yet. You haven't arrived yet. You're not quite the clone of whoever that famous pastor is that you really like. Or whoever that woman's leader is that you're like, oh man, she's amazing. Kay Arthur, oh yes. The reality is, you guys, is Kay Arthur still around? I don't even know. She is? Okay, good. Relevant, hashtag. Ready? Let me say it again. Hashtag relevant. There you go. You guys, the point I'm making is this. It doesn't matter who you look up to and think, man, God uses that person. God wants to use you. He wants to use each of you exactly in the context you're in. If you're a stay-at-home mom, he wants to use you in the lives of your friends, in the lives of your children, in the lives of everyone that you come in contact with. If you are at a job, I promise you guys, he wants to use you to scatter seed in your workplace. There's not a context that he's looking at that he says, oh, not there. No, he wants you to scatter seed. That's the point we see here. There's never a time that the guy that was sowing seed stopped sowing seed. He was like, dude, I'm on a rocky path. I don't care, I'm sowing seed. Dude, I'm up amongst the thorns. I don't care, I'm sowing seed, right? He hits the good ground. He's like, whoa, cash crop. This is where it's going to be good. But how do we know where the good ground is? We don't because the ground's in your heart. We don't see that ground. So guess what we do? We scatter seed. That's our job. You guys, if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to scatter the seed of the gospel. This parable makes it clear that it's not where you sow. That's not what's important. It's the fact that you're sowing. And I want to say something to you guys. We keep praying for revival. Can I tell you something? Revival only happens when people start scattering seed. And why does that seed start getting scattered? Because revival is beginning in your own heart. And you're chewing on this word and you're like, oh God, this is good. This is truth. And I want more, God. And the more you chew and the more you dig in and the more that it sinks deep in you, the more you're like, whoa, you're going crazy, right? You're like, just scattering seed, right? You're nuts. Why? Because that's what matters most to you. You look around at the rest of the world and you're like, man, they need this truth the same way I needed it. They need the reality of who Jesus is the same way I need it. It stops being judgmental. It stops being pharisaical. It stops worrying about who you're standing in front of and speaking to Jesus about. And it becomes way more important that you're just speaking about Jesus. That's what matters. God wants to use his church to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere. That's what he wants. This is our mission, you guys. We're told in Matthew 28, 19 through, 19 through 20, you guys know this, the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. You guys, that's our job. The mission of this church, go, tell, live. So many churches have the live part sort of down. They're sort of good at saying like, well, I'm just going to live my life and people are going to see Jesus through me. The point of living your life for Jesus is to have conversations about Jesus. There's never a time when you're not talking about Jesus. I promise you guys, if you're here today and you haven't been, let me encourage you today 
Stop doing what you're doing. Change direction and start telling people about Jesus. The fact is, you guys, when you die, when I die, I don't want anybody. We've talked about this before. Y'all know that I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I love my Eagles. I am so stoked. I'm going to be in Philadelphia on Tuesday, y'all. I'm going to be eating a cheesesteak. Woo! I'm super stoked. But can I tell you what's way more important? Jesus. Jesus. I don't want anybody to be like, man, he was a great Eagles fan. He was amazing. And to sing the Eagles chant at my funeral, what I want them to do is sing praise to God. I want them to understand that if they can't see it, that I got a big old grin on my face because I'm in heaven. That's what I want them to see. That's what I want them to know. I want everybody to know that. There's not a time or a place that I don't want to tell people about Jesus. It's that important. It's that important. If we come to church and think that it's just for us, we're missing the point. You guys, the fact is, is that what he's saying here is that we're here to do this. This life that we are living in God is meant to be shared. Amen? Now, let's examine each of the places that the seed falls and what it means. Right? We're going to go over to verse 18. How many people are freaked out by this version of of how we're going through the scripture? Is everybody okay? Okay. Verse 18 says this. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received truth by the wayside. Or received seed by the wayside, forgive me. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. You guys, Jesus does us a favor when he explains this parable, doesn't he? So let's break down these four different types of soil that the seed falls in. First off, the seed that falls by the wayside. They hear the word, but they don't get it. And I want to take it a step further and say this. They don't just not get it. They don't care to get it, right? They're not bothering to go deeper and try to figure out what God's word means to them. They're not willing to take that extra step to try to understand it, okay? This is where we can get in a little bit. I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but this is where we can get a little bit into this idea of like Calvinism versus Arminianism. We can get into like how, where's the sanctity or sancti- um, where What's the word I'm looking for? Not sanctity. The, um, what? No, God is in charge of everything. Sovereign, sovereignty of God. Chad, you're awesome. I love you, brother. We can get into the sovereignty of God and say, does God want them to hear this? Well, I think he does, right? There's some people that are like, well, God sovereignly chooses who's going to be there and who's not. Well, I think that's true, but I think it's because we've chosen it, right? You can't take away personal choice. You cannot. Because why? Here's God's sovereign plan. God sovereignly wants each and every human being to accept his way and to be in heaven. Is that the reality? No, it's not. Does that make God less sovereign? No. What it speaks to is that there's choice in the matter. 
And so here we see this seed that fell by the wayside. I believe there has to be a choice to say, man, something's missing here. Something is not clicking with this person. They just don't want to engage it any further. Or maybe it's just not time for them at this point. Should that ever stop us? After we know we've scattered seed and the person just ignored it, should that stop us from scattering seed to them? No way. No way. The enemy comes and steals this seed away before they get interested in understanding it. But I, I personally believe that here we see a non-Christian. We see someone that's not saved at the end of this, right? Because they've not received the seed. They're not even willing to receive it. And the reality is, you guys, it doesn't mean that the next time that the gospel presented is presented to them, that it might not be different that time. And so we should never stop presenting the gospel. That's why so often here from the pulpit, we're always saying, right? How often do you hear this? Listen, if you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus today. We don't ever stop because you don't know if there's a guy or a girl here that's like, dude, I've been coming to church for six years and I've never done it yet. And you're like, what are you waiting on? And then they come to the Lord and everybody gets to celebrate along with them. We never stop. What about the seed that fell on the stony places? They hear God's word. It resonates immediately. They think this. They're like, man, this is going to make me a better person. Man, this is like the self-help guru of all self-help gurus. I can get this. I've got this. But what they really don't want, they don't want this idea of God being the Lord over their lives. And they don't really want this idea of it being something that they have to submit to. They just want the better part. They want like the the life that's going to look better and be better, right? They want the health. They want the wealth. They want all the stuff that some churches say is what it's about. But they don't really want to say, God, I submit to you. And that's why I believe when he says this, that there is no root in them. That root is the Holy Spirit. So again, I think this... This type of ground, this person hasn't received the Lord. They're trying to do it on their own. So they receive it with gladness because they're like, yes, my life's going to be sweet. Everything's going to go amazing, right? Like it's all going to be awesome. And then the first time they're like, you know, they wreck their car or they lose something or they can't have money to pay the bills or something. They're like, God, where are you? This stinks. I hate it. I'm quitting. And the truth is they never knew God to begin with. That's why I am very quick to say the health and wealth gospel is garbage. Nowhere in scripture do I see Jesus saying everything's going to be peaches, roses, unicorns, and sunshine after you accept him. As a matter of fact, I see quite the opposite. It's going to be hard. The enemy's going to hate your guts and come against you all the time. Things in this world are going to look different the more you talk about Jesus. And it's not going to be pretty probably. But man, We have eternity to hold on to. We have the gift of all gifts to give. Why would we stop? Why would we stop? And the more we understand who God is, the more that root takes root in our heart, the more we're like, oh my gosh, dude, I am the one that's centered here. I am the one that has truth. You need this truth. You need Jesus. I don't care what you bring against me because all you're bringing against me is like sticks and stones. They might break my bones, but the words that you're speaking are never going to hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. You like that? The point I'm making is, is that it doesn't matter all this other garbage. What matters is Jesus. And so here's this person where the dirt has fallen or the seed has fallen on stony place. And the truth is, is that they're not allowed. They're not able 
they're not able to see that it's about more than just them becoming better. It's about more than just the easy life that they're trying to look for. When trials come, they don't have a root, so they die out. Guys, the reality is if you're trying to do this life without the Holy Spirit, and you're trying to reach heaven in your own strength, you've entirely missed the point. We are all scummy sinners. I'm so encouraging, I know. But that's what we are. We are all scummy sinners in need of a perfect, amazing Savior. And he's there, and he wants to get to know us more. And the more we get to know him, the more we're like, oh, man, I need more. I need more of you, God. Lord, I need more of you and less of me because me isn't so good. What about the seed that fell among the thorns? This is the first person in the parable that I do believe has accepted Christ, genuinely accepted Christ. This person, they're growing. God's got them. And I don't know if y'all have any thorns in your yard. We do. My wife and I have a ton of like wild blackberries or whatever. They're awesome, but they're really thorny. And here's the thing that's annoying. We plant trees and we plant all these things to try to like take over the thorns. But what ends up happening is the thorns keep taking them over. And then I do war against the thorns, right? And then the thorns grow back again. And then I do war. So you'll probably see it this summer. I'm usually like all bloodied up, right? Because I'm like, you're stupid, right? But the truth is, what happens? The thorns grow up. The thorns grow fast. That's what happens. And that's what's happening here with this guy. The thorns are all around us. What kind of thorns are they? Jesus tells us the concerns of life. The concerns of life. The deceitfulness of riches. You guys, the thorns are all around all of us. Concerns over getting more and more money. Because what you're making right now just isn't enough. You need a little bit more. The worries about social functions that tend to matter more than God. I'm not talking about vacation. I'm not talking about having a good time and going out and enjoying yourself. And if that happens to be on a Sunday morning, you know, I'm not the pastor that's going to be here and being like, you sinner. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is, man, your calendar, your social calendar is so important that you're not at church for a month and a half straight because Saturday night just takes precedence. That's a problem. That's the thorn that's growing up in your life. What about this? Concern in making sure you keep up in every way with those crazy Joneses. And you know what's so dumb about that is that the Joneses have a neighbor that you don't know about also named the Joneses that they're trying to keep up with. And they have a neighbor named the Joneses too that nobody knows about that they're trying to keep up with. Where's it end? God told us to be content. That's a thorn. That's a major thorn in America. Dude, I'm telling you, and I'm not alone. Listen, I'm not up here preaching at you guys. I'm preaching with you. I'm, I'm talking to myself too. I'm telling you that I want an 80-inch television. Why? Because my 55-inch just isn't enough. <laughs> Stupid. And Grace is so gracious. My wife is so amazing. She keeps reminding me that, like, no, she's like, we can see this just fine. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but, but, but when I'm watching football, I want the football to be this big, not this big, right? I want it to be huge. You guys, we all do this stuff, don't we? Listen, what about this thorn? Making sure your family and friends don't see you as a Jesus freak. 
That's a big thorn. I love my family. We're going to go right after the second service and drive down to PA today. So guys, if you could keep us in prayer, that'd be great. But the truth is, is that I'm going down to my family and I love my family. But there's a lot of people that already are like, as soon as I say, like I was at church, they're like, stop, I don't want to hear it. That thorn in my life when I'm down there can grow up real quick. And I got to be quick to be like, no, you're going to hear this because it's the most important thing in my life. And if you love me at all, I want to tell you about it because I love you enough to tell you about Jesus. We need to be a bunch of Jesus freaks. We need to care way more about the salvation of everyone that's around us than all the garbage we just got done talking about. We need to. You guys, why do we need to care so much about these, about God and not about this other stuff? Because every one of these thorns that grows up in our lives steals fruit. It takes away opportunity for fruit in our lives. Think about that. If the whole goal of our life when we get to heaven, if the whole goal is to say, Lord, I poured everything out. God, if, if this life is a car, I'm coming in with the tires burned off. I'm coming in with the engine on fire. That's how I want to get to heaven. Seriously. I want to get to heaven with his body shot. I just want to have it all poured out. Man, if I've got all these thorns in my life, I'm going to get to heaven and be like, God, you got to do some more work. There's a lot more to pluck here. Right? Like, like that's what I've got left in my life, Lord, is that, that I had an 80-inch television instead of 55-inch. Good for me. That football was huge. Lord, I, I kept up with the Joneses in every way, even though I don't have a clue who the Joneses are. God, I was actually considered to be socially acceptable and cool because I didn't speak about you. Come on, you guys. We have an eternity in heaven. And I want to let you know something. If you're a Christian here today, your eternity started the day you accepted Christ. It doesn't happen in heaven. It happened. It's happening right now. We're in eternity. Let that bake your noodle. The reality is you guys, we're starting now. What we're doing now is affecting the kingdom of God or not affecting the kingdom of God. What life do we want to lead? What about the seed that fell on the good ground? These are the people that hear God's word and they begin to grow and flourish in what God wants to do in their lives. They don't worry about the Joneses. They are not concerned about the trials and tribulations that come their way because they've read God's word and they see that Jesus makes it clear. Listen, if Jesus died, why do we have this expectation that everything's going to be peachy for us? He died, you guys. He died. God says to most of us, hey, get a little uncomfortable and go have a conversation with somebody. We're like, oh, I don't want to. Like, come on, you guys. Let's be willing to say, Lord, I want good soil in my heart. Lord, I want this to be true in my life. I want to get uncomfortable, Lord, for you. Lord, I want to do the things that you've called me to do. Lord, I want to speak to my family in a way that tells them that all that matters to me is Jesus. And all that matters to me is for them to understand who Jesus is. That's what matters. I don't want the enemy to come and steal away the fruit that God wants to produce in my life. You guys, they keep... These people with, their, with the good soil in their heart, 
They keep their eyes focused on Christ instead of all the temporary crap this world has to offer. And yes, I use that word intentionally because that's what it is. It's all garbage. It's absolute refuse. What does this world have to offer us that's going to matter in eternity? Seriously. What new car could you buy that you're going to be like, sweet, when I get to heaven, oh man, those streets of gold are going to get tore up by this Tesla. No. Nobody's going to care about a car. Nobody's going to care about your house. God said he's going to build us mansions. He's going to build us houses. Listen, I don't think we're going to get to heaven and be like, mine's bigger than y'all's. What? No. Because when we get to heaven again, nobody's going to care where we live. We have Jesus standing right in front of us. That's all we're going to care about. That's going to be our only concern. And do you know how awesome it's going to be to get to heaven, you guys, and to have lived a life that said, Lord, I want, to, I want you to bear fruit through me. I want you, God, to use my life in such an amazing, awesome way so that when you get to heaven, you can look around and say, oh, God, look what you did. Look who's here. Look who's here. And Lord, I'm here. That's amazing. That's what I want. That's what I want to see the church start to get a hold of. That that's what matters. That we need good ground. We need good soil. That we need to rip up the thorns. That we need people in this church that are being invited that might have stony soil. Or the birds might keep taking it all away. Because I trust that God is going to eventually get that soil prepared and right, and they're going to accept the Lord. I have no doubt that God wants to do that in each and every life. You guys, the question exists for us then. What soil exists in our hearts? The truth is we cannot tell or control what the soil of another person's heart is. You can't. So what do we do? We scatter seed. We never stop. We never stop scattering seed. And we let God do the work on what that seed's going to look like, what it's going to produce, how it's all going to play out. That's our job as Christians. But what we can control completely, to some extent, I should say, not completely, to some extent is our own soil. How do we control that? Well, we go to the Holy Spirit and we say, Lord, just like David did, show me. Show me if there be any wicked way in my heart. Lord, show me if there's thorns that are being allowed to grow up in my life. And I don't think, first off, God's so gracious and faithful. He's going to show you. He's going to speak truth to you. So be ready. But the other reality is, you guys, is that if you're asking those questions, God's going to do the work of ripping those thorns out. You guys, we can only have two types of soil as Christians here today. The only two soils that we have are either really good soil or thorny soil. Those are the only two soils that I think I see in his word that are available to us as Christians. And so don't think the enemy's not in there sowing in thorns as much as he can. As much as he can. Your TV will never be big enough or my TV will never be big enough. Right? Your house will never be just right. There will always be something else you want to do. None of those things are bad. The question becomes, are they taking up room? Are they becoming thorns in your soil? That's the question. 
Did you used to, when you were a Christian long, long ago and you first accepted the Lord? How many of you guys? I know I did, man. I went and told everybody about Jesus. I told everybody to the point that my parents thought I was in a cult. They were freaked out. They didn't know what to do with me. They're like, what kind of freak are you? Right? Like they were seriously, they wouldn't let me go to Bible study because they were like, no kid goes to Bible study. And they're like, you can't go. Stay home. So what did I do? I was a good Christian boy and I snuck out. God had some work to do. Because I wasn't missing me some time in the Bible. You guys, what kind of soil do we have? If the Holy Spirit's residing in your heart, ask him. He's going to answer you. I promise. You guys, we can seek God and ask him to do the gardening in our heart that's needed. And so today, you guys, we're going to be doing communion. And so it's just this perfect time that God has totally, you know, sewn together and orchestrated. Because here we are, and we're, we're talking about the fact that, look, we need to take some time and examine our hearts. And we're told time and time again, when you take communion to here today, the only thing that holds you back from taking communion, and I would encourage you in this, if you're here today and you're not a believer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ. But if you're not a believer, please don't take communion. Because you're literally saying, I'm taking the blood and the body of Christ into me. And I'm communing with what Jesus did for me. And so if you're here today and you're not a believer, don't, don't, do not take that flippantly. It matters. If you are a Christian here today, that's it. That's, your, that's what gets you in. That's what makes it so that you can take communion with the rest of us. You're a Christian. But you guys, as we come into this time, there's never a bad time to ask God to examine our hearts. Here's what I'm not saying. If there's someone here that goes to church every Sunday, I don't care if you come to church every Sunday. It's nice to see everybody's face on Sunday, but that's not what gets you to heaven. Going to church every Sunday just means you come to a building. Good for you. Right? Season ticket holders to sports teams are just as faithful. <laughs> but the reality is, you guys, it's about knowing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That's the point. That's the thing. That's what matters. When you accept that you can't get to heaven on your own, that it's only Jesus that can get you there. When you say, I am a sinful, scummy human being, Lord, and I need you to do the work of cleaning me out, he will do that work. That's what matters. So if that's you here today, can I tell you something? It's not hard. It's not magical. If you're watching online, if you're listening to this later, the point is, it doesn't have to be prayed with a pastor. It doesn't have to be prayed with anybody. But there is scripture that tells us in the book of Romans, it says, confess with your mouth, speak out loud the words. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. Because you can say all the words you want. If it's not here, then it doesn't matter. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You are saved. I believe that with all my heart. There's a change that begins to happen inside of you. And that's the beginning of the adventure. We've talked about this a hundred times, haven't we? It's like Frodo coming out of bag end and slamming the door. That's accepting Jesus. The adventure that is the hobbit is what awaits you. I love that analogy because if y'all ever read the hobbit, it's a great book. But the truth is, you guys, there is adventure before us. There's hardship there's trolls, there's dragons, 
There's things that want to step up and just smite you. There's all this stuff that happens in your walk with the Lord, but that's all the adventure that we get to walk here on earth. That's the awesome part. But it can't start until you accept Christ. You guys, if you're here today and you're a believer, I want to encourage you as we pass out the elements, as we get this going, I want to say this to you. The fact is, you guys, you can go to God and say, Lord, show me what thorns are in here, but do even one more thing and pluck them out and burn them. Get rid of them. I promise you, he wants to do that work in your life because he wants to see us producing fruit. Last thing I want to say is this. For every person that's here, whether you're a believer or not a believer, there is truth here that we can continue to chew on forever. We're never going to get to the end of a parable and say like, I've got this licked. I've got this down. Because like I said, we're not done. If you're here today and you're the stony soil or you're, you know, whatever type of soil and then you accept Christ, well then for the rest of your days, then we're all dealing with the thorns that keep wanting to grow up in our hearts. So there's never a time that we're done working. There's never a time that we're done reading this and saying, man, Lord, show me again. Reveal to me what's going on in my own heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.